Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. How are you guys? Good? Still waking up? Praise God. (laughs) Well, if you do not know me, my name is Britt, and I'm excited because we're wrapping up our It's Okay to Not Be Okay series this morning. Um, So this morning we'll be talking about something, but again, I just want to reiterate, if you have at all time tonight to join us for our five, um, we are going to have an amazing discussion on mental health with um, some experts who love Jesus, and so I just invite you to come, and if you can't join us online, uh, we'll be streaming it live, but What I'm so excited as we begin to wrap up this series is the fact that I've gotten to have a lot of conversations with you guys about hard things, about our mental struggles, about our thoughts that constantly swirl in our mind. And so what I want us to do is to continue to look at that and say, okay, We spent the last six weeks talking about our struggle, whether it's anxiety, depression, um, suicidal thoughts, but... What I hope is that we just don't stop talking about it. Like, I hope that after the six weeks, you continue to come to us with questions, asking your small group leaders, that this is, becomes a part of the groundwater of HSM, that we don't stray away from things because they're hard, but we actually dive in because we serve a God who loves our questions and meets us with grace and mercy. And so I want us to be those same kinds of people who meet our questions with grace and mercy. And so... I hope that this isn't just the end of this discussion about mental health, Um, but for today, we're looking at the topic of our mind and our thoughts. Our mind and our thoughts, really jumping into the question, what should our thought life look like as a follower of Jesus and why it is important? So why is it important for us to think about our thought life And I I say thought life, meaning the things that cross our mind on a daily basis, on a a 24-7 reel, that this is a moment that we are constantly in. And so I think it's important for us to really declare and, and really look at scripture and be like, well, why is that important? Why should I know my thoughts and understand them? And so I think that the first thing we have to really like look at is the fact that we've bought a lie that we are victim to our thoughts. We've bought this lie that all of our thoughts are not of our own. We have no authority over them. And so today, this morning, my hope is that we just dispel that. That we disregard this lie that we've purchased about being victim to our thoughts and realize that we have authority over our thoughts. We have this authority. We have the power over our thoughts. Now, before I jump into any scripture or any farther, I just wanted to make this disclaimer. Now, I know that there are moments where we have Um, imbalances in our brain where you might have to take medication or you might have to go see a therapist and we're inviting therapists tonight 
So I'm not disregarding any of that and knowing that that might be a path you take. But what we have to realize is when we say yes to Jesus, we begin to walk in authority over our thoughts. That it is essential for us to know how to take control of our thoughts. Because I always think about this. Our downfall is sin, right? Sin, meaning missing the mark of what Jesus has for us. What he has really purposed us for. And so when we think of sin, sometimes we think of like the big sin or the really scandalous sin, right? But have we ever thought about the fact that sometimes sin can look like pride? Sometimes sin could look like judging other people? Like there are thoughts in our mind. And I think about the fact that our thoughts is like a two-step kind of sin, right? So sin, when we miss the mark on what Jesus has called us to, starts in our mind, starts with a thought. And then it's the second step into sin is when we begin to act upon that sin. And so what we have to realize, it's easier for us to get rid of sin in our lives when we attack it at its fundamental thought level. Like if we begin to attack our sin at the thought level, can you imagine what, what would happen with our lives? We would begin to understand the purposes that God has created us and designed us for instead of rather than waiting for it to become rooted in our lives. Like we know this, we know this, that when we begin to engage in something, what happens? It becomes a habit. I've read so many books over and over again because I just love, like, knowing how to be productive. That's just, like, my own, like, downfall. Um, And over and over again, what every single book says is the fact that when we do something over and over and over again, actually for 21 days, is it becomes a habit. It becomes solidified in our character. So could you imagine it would feel like swimming upstream when we've decided to take action on a thought and it becomes a habit and then it becomes rooted in our lives because of our actions. And so we have to realize that when we're in this thought life, and we're going to look at specifically two scriptures this morning, is the fact that we are at war. We are at war within our minds. The Bible reminds us that it's not a war of flesh, that it's a war of spirit. And we have to know that when we serve our God, there is an enemy that hates what God is doing in our lives, that hates what is happening when we walk in obedience to God. And so what we have to realize is that when we do anything worthwhile, Like if we do anything for the glory of the kingdom, then we have to realize we work under a power, but it's a power that's not of our own. It's not our own power that we're able to captivate our thoughts and have authority over our thoughts. It's through the power of Jesus and our emotions become the byproduct of how we think. So what we think and how we think become the byproduct of our actions. And so what are we called to? Well, what are we called to is the fact that when a thought enters our mind, we examine it based on God's word, determine if we should continue down the path or reject the thought and replace it with another thought. 
So I kind of made a diagram if we could switch to the next one. So what we have to realize is what we mean by having authority over your thoughts is that when a thought enters, we are able to examine it according to the scriptures of the word. And this is why, HSM, I know that there's so much power in knowing the word of God and knowing his purpose for you, but also knowing his promises for you. Because how are we supposed to examine our thoughts against the word of God if we don't know the word of God? And so when we have a thought enter our mind, we're supposed to examine it and then we determine, is it something we continue down or is it something that we're going to reject and replace? So I hope that as we begin, and let me tell you, we are not trying to be Christians who are perfect. We're trying to be Christians who are progressing in the ways of Jesus. And so my hope is maybe that this week we begin to take captive our thoughts through this examination. The haze is on. <laughs> um, I'm like, like starting not to see any of you guys. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um, and so when we capture our thoughts, we begin to examine it and then determine, we sift through our thoughts. And is it say, is it something that I'm going to continue down or is it going to be something I replace and reject? So we want to be able to set them, we want to be able to fix them, because we know that when we serve Jesus and we have the word of God, that it is described as a sword of the spirit. It becomes this weapon towards our thoughts and how we are going to capture them. And I love it because we're going to look at some of Paul's writing. If you don't know Paul, Paul was kind of a bad guy. If you remember, he was the guy who was actually capturing Christians and killing them until he countered Jesus and forever his his life was changed and becomes one of the biggest writers for the New Testament. And what he says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it's not up there, but what he really begins to have us think about is, are we having the mind of Christ? Because he knows that when he talks about when we have the mind of Christ, we set our mind on hope and we set our mind on Jesus. And so what we really want is like, what does it look like to have the mind of Christ? And I love it because he is actually writes so much scripture, so much a part of his letters are about the mind because he knew this, that the way that we think turns away how we live. So the way that we think directly affects the way that we live. And so we're going to look at this first scripture, if you can join me, if you have a Bible or a U version, whatever that looks like, in Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. It's super, super famous. Um, if you'd ever been to Hume before, you've probably memorized part of the scripture. But I really want us to realize that through the lens of capturing our thoughts to being aware of our thought life, what this looks like. So verse two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. What Paul is saying here is that it is possible. It is possible for us to capture our thoughts, to redirect them, realign them to what Jesus would have for us, and that there is a way for us to do that. But the first thing is, uh, what I really want is, if you have your Bible, underline this part. 
to the pattern of this world. What Paul is acknowledging here in scripture is that there is a pattern, that there is a pattern this world follows of sin, of hopelessness, of negativity. How many times have we just have to walk around for a moment and experience any one of those three things? Like there is patterns in this world that are created that what we are, what Paul is calling us is to not conform to these patterns. So then how do we break these patterns? How do we step into confidence and the authority that we've been talking about to be able to break this pattern, to not conform to this pattern, but walk in the ways that God would desire us to walk in? So the answer is in that second part. But be what? Transformed through the renewing of your mind. See, what Paul is really meaning is that behavior changes and begins with the mind. That when we want to begin to step into behavioral changes, it starts with our mind. And I love it because the Bible has been talking about this for thousands and thousands of years. And then we look at psychology and it just continues to to echo what the Bible has been saying for centuries and centuries. I always, when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, who else, maybe, maybe this is just showing how old I was, but like during 2020, during COVID, I decided to download the infamous black hole of TikTok and discovered the sounds page. And one of the things that I'd always remember, and this instantly came to my mind when I realized when Paul was saying that our behavior starts in our mind is this sound where it goes, goes, you know, I'm not going to do it. You know, girl, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, right? Don't you do it. What, is, what happens at the end? She says, I did it, right? It's this moment where it, comedy is really highlighting the fact that it started in her mind. They're like, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then what happens? You did it. And you can scroll through the sound and there's thousands upon thousands of sound videos that are duetted or whatever that is. And you see this moment where people are just thinking about something. And then by the end of the video, they do it. This is what Paul is saying, that when we decide to want to participate in changing our behavior, it starts with our mind. It starts with our thoughts. And so I love this because, again, psychology is now being like, oh, yeah, the Bible was right. Because they have this thing called a cognitive triangle. Okay, we're just going to go to school for a second. Cognitive triangle. I have it up here. So we have three circles here. We have thoughts, behavior, and emotions, right? Thoughts, behavior, and emotions create this cognitive triangle, And you see how all the arrows are kind of pointing to all of each other because it creates this mesh that three of them are separate, but they're all together. Why? First thing, thoughts. Basically, if we break it down, thoughts are information that our brain takes in and sends out of our mind, right? Those are our thoughts. Think about it. Let's let's like take an example. You have a thought. I'm hungry, right? You're hungry, it's been a moment, you came to church, you woke up late, and you couldn't have breakfast, so you're hungry. That is a thought. See, our mind acts as a gatekeeper for really going through information that comes into our brain. So then we determine whether the information is relevant, and then it becomes a mental focus, 
Because how many of you have this thought and then you can't stop thinking about this thought? Because you're in your brain, it's determined that this is important. But then here is what we have. We have our thoughts, which is the information that is coming into our brain, right? Sent out. Then we have our feelings. Our feelings are emotional responses to thoughts and behaviors, right? So we have a thought, I'm hungry. I forgot to eat breakfast. I'm hungry. Now we have a feeling. On top of that hunger, you woke up late because you couldn't sleep, and so you're having a terrible day. And so not only are you having a terrible day, but on top of that, you're hungry. So your thought is that you're hungry, but then your feeling is that you're having a terrible day. You're not feeling your best, whatever that looks like. And so there's this connection between our thoughts and our feelings. And so we then begin to create connections of the situation. And also, our feelings are this moment where our experiences, our thoughts, our perspective, the lenses Uh, whatever that looks like, begin to dictate what our feelings are. And and so when we have this example of I'm hungry, I've also have a bad day, that's a lot on our shoulders, our thoughts and our feelings. And then we become, become to the behaviors, which is the actions that are generated from our thoughts and feelings. So our thoughts and our feelings and our actions are all in this perpetual circle, really influencing each other. So if we go back to this example of our thought was, I'm hungry, our feeling is that I'm having a terrible day, then our action is we eat 500 hamburgers. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm feeling bad, I like go straight to food. And see, when we look at this moment where we're like, ugh, I fell into this pattern, I really wanted to eat healthy or whatever that looks like, but because I had the thought that I was hungry and then the feeling that I didn't have a great day, then my reaction, my behavior is to eat 500 hamburgers. It's this moment where we have to realize that everything is responding to each other. So we can put so many different scenarios about it where we might say like, "Ah, I really want to pray more, but I never have time. That's, that's the action, is I'm always busy. Well, then, what would happen? Our thought is, I, I have school to do. There's a boy that I need to talk to. TikTok is calling my name. Like, I want to hang out with my friends. And then our feelings is overwhelming. Lee, I'm so busy. I can get nothing done. I'm frustrated. And then what happens? Our action is we don't really engage into what Jesus has for us. And so we don't get to pray. And so what we have to realize is this cognitive triangle is what Paul is talking about when we need to transform and renew our minds into the mind of Jesus, into the mind of Christ. So you're like, okay, well then how do I practically do this? Because I love the fact that we sometimes have all of these high thoughts. Like there are some people in my life, I appreciate them so much, where we have really high theology, um, just kind of conversations where there's really no like, you know, finite answer and we just get to talk about things and bring other input into. But what we have to realize is that when we capture our thoughts, that this is important and we're able to do it. 
So from Romans, we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Because this is the practical. This is how we begin to capture our minds. Verse 4 says, the weapons we fight are with not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and even pre, uh, pretension and sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive thought and make it obedient to Christ. So what it's saying here is, again, this is Paul. He's writing this letter to this church. And what he's saying is that, first of all, the weapons that we use against our thought life are not weapons of this world. They are not weapons that are created by man, but by God. Again, we look at Ephesians, it's talking about the word is a sword. That it is a weapon that we use to conquer our thoughts. And sometimes it might feel uncomfortable to use the language of like a war and, and all of that. And you're like, I'm just like thinking all my thoughts, like it's not really a war. But we have to be reminded that the Bible clearly states the fact that our, our war isn't a flesh. You know, the enemy loves to use that. He loves to distract ourselves with things of this world, knowing so well that he doesn't have to really do anything. Like, if you really think about it, like, if he could just distract you with the relationship you have with your parents or the hard, challenging things in your life, like, you're not actually living into the full purpose of what God has for you. And so when we might feel uncomfortable with using war language, uh, talking about our, our mind and our thoughts, like it feels too much, but it's not. It's a great metaphor for what is happening within our minds, that this is a war that we have to realize we have to not conform to and break the pattern of. So how do we take captive our thoughts? What do we do? What are the steps? And I want to, I just submit to you three things. Three things. First, instead, we want to challenge our thoughts. We want to challenge our thinking, challenge the thoughts that come into mind. So every thought captive and make them obedient to God. Taking every thought captive means that we must learn the ability to challenge our thoughts in a way that takes our thoughts and takes them up against the word of God. See, the temptation that we sometimes we fall into is the fact that without the reflex of challenging our thoughts, we just start to take all of our observations as truth. We begin to look at anything that we observed in this world and make it an idol, make it the thing, make it truth. And, and so what we have to realize is the first step is we have to challenge the thoughts that come into our mind. We have to challenge the things that the world is trying to say. And what? We just don't just like judge it. What we do is we take it up against the word of God. So then how can we challenge our negative thoughts when our mind does lead us to doubt? Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago about doubt and what do we do with doubt? What, where's the pathway in doubt? See, not only are we asked to challenge our thoughts against everything that comes in, but we're also asked to ask for new evidence. See, we need to ask for new evidence because when we look at doubt, it means that there has been some evidence, there's been something in your life that has been submitted to your mind 
that might be different from what God says. And I love it. Mark 9, 14 through 29. It's a story um, that happened during Jesus's ministry. And I won't read it, but if you have time, go ahead, look at the story. But I'll paraphrase it for you. So basically, this desperate father comes with his son who is possessed by demons. And what happens is he takes him to the disciples, and the disciples fail to take the demons out. And so what then happens is the father then turns to Jesus and he says to him this amazing thing. He says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. See, what he has, his evidence for his doubt that this could actually happen, that his son could be healed from being possessed by demons, is the fact that the disciples had what? Had failed. They weren't able to do that. So he comes to Jesus, right? And, and he goes, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And if you really look at that statement, you're like, wait, how can you believe and have unbelief in the same sentence? And you're also talking to Jesus. Like, how can you have the two coexist? But what he realizes is the fact that it's natural for us to have, have doubts. It's natural for us to question things. When we talked about doubt, we literally just said doubt is just asking questions. And so what he is realizing is that doubt keeps us hungry for growth in our faith and faith keeps us from doubt from taking over. So it's not this moment that if you're a perfect Christian that you'll never doubt. It's this moment where what do you do with that doubt? And so what did he do? He submitted it to Jesus. Now he wasn't asking Jesus to prove me wrong. Like he wasn't going to Jesus and be like, can you disprove this? What he was asking about Jesus is when he says, help my unbelief, is the fact that he's like, this is what I have. This is the lens, my perspective, my expectations, the fact that the disciples have failed me, so I have doubt. Give me new evidence. And so what we have to realize is we get to do the same thing. When, a mind, when our minds have thoughts that enter into us, and we begin to determine and examine against the word of God, but then we have this evidence of something that is different from God, what we have to do is we have to realize is we're asking for new evidence. And I love this, Matthew 7, 7, reminds us the type of God that we serve. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So we serve a God who wants us to ask. When you have this moment where you are bumped up against thoughts that you think, wait, I know my God is faithful. Wait, I know my God is trustworthy and that he is merciful and that he is loving. And yet this is my feelings because of my experiences, because of my situation. What we are called to do is to ask for new evidence. Lord, help my unbelief. I believe you. I know who you are. I know that you're consistent in your character, but would you help my unbelief? When we want to believe God-glorifying thoughts, let us not vilify our, our doubts. So don't make your doubts, moments of doubts, these moments where we climb up and anxiety takes over and all of these things, because that's what the enemy wants. 
But when we want to believe in God-provoking thoughts, God-glorifying thoughts, instead we ask God to give us new evidence to believe that he wants us to believe in him, that he is there for us. Last thing is, not only do we want to challenge our thoughts and ask for new evidence when we come up to our challenging thoughts, but also we want to repeat thoughts we want to believe. Repeat thoughts we want to believe. Repeat them again and again and again. Because remember, when we begin to repeat something, what happens? Our actions then turn into habits, then turns into our character, and turns into who we are. It becomes rooted as I invite the band up. I want us to realize that if when we believe something, we have to repeat it. And I know that I talk about reading the word and that I want you to read the word. It is beautiful. It is amazing. It is transformative. But what I want us to realize is the fact that we do something every single Sunday that helps us repeat the thoughts we want to believe. And that is worship. That is singing. See, when we sing, there are truths being displayed on this back wall that is saying truths of who our God is of his steadfast love, of the fact that he is always here for us, and the fact that he has made a way for us through Jesus. And so what I hope is when we begin to worship, when we begin to step into this moment where we're repeating, listen to the words. Think about what you're actually singing about. I always say that, uh, that singings and worship songs are like mini sermons you'll actually remember. Like there's so many times where, you know, you'll probably won't, I won't remember it, you know, what I've said from the platform. But the fact is, how many times have we memorized scripture, we've memorized song through singing? And why is that? Is because we continually repeat the thoughts and the goodness and the truths of our God. See, God has a new pattern for this world. One that is filled with joy and hope. But to conform to this new pattern of God, we need a new mind. I love this. A.W. Towser kind of just sums up this whole thing so simplest, simply and beautifully. Put God in his rightful place and a thousand of problems are solved all at once. When we begin to walk into this moment where we capture our thoughts by examining them and determining them against the word of God, whether it's something that we continue down or it's something that we reject, but it is this moment where we realize that God is the God of the universe in his all sovereignty and his all power. He is there for you. But that we have authority, that same power living in our bones to be able to captivize our thoughts and then really be able to turn those thoughts into actions, into our character. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who continues to, to just walk with us in the fact that our, our thought mind is always running, always going, Lord. Lord, I pray for that person who constantly gets tripped up by all the, the thoughts and the weights and the feelings, Lord. Lord, I ask, would you give them the courage and the understanding that they have the authority to not be victim of their thoughts. Lord, that they're able to captivate them, Lord. 
and just submit them to you. Submit them to the word. Lord, and would they have the eyes and ears to, to know the truth. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who cares about those things, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We trust you. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.